We have been 62 and now 63 days in our study of the Gospel of John. We have covered 13 and a half chapters, 13 full chapters, now half of the 14th chapter. We have covered 641 verses. We have spent just under 42 hours in actual sermons in the course of our study. And all the way through, it has been told to us, and then it has been retold to us, reinforced to us, the truth of Jesus and the truth of his gospel. Over and over and over again, God is showing us, again, who Jesus is and then what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. This is who Jesus is, and this is the gospel. Now, the goal of that has been that in believing that truth, the truth of Jesus and the truth of the gospel, that all would be saved. And that is the mission of the gospel, uh, that those that would hear would believe, and in believing they would be saved. In faith they are saved. But understand tonight, it has to be the faith in the truth. It is the truth that matters. Now we've seen that all the way through this. It is the truth that matters. That is why Satan attacks the truth. That is why John writes this account upholding the truth. Well, if you have noticed as we have moved along, there is a secondary goal that we now see unfolding as well. Now, the goal of the gospel is that we would hear and believe, but as we are moving along, there is a secondary goal that we're seeing unfolding as well. And that is that believers, that disciples of Jesus would be prepared to be agents of that truth, that we would be ambassadors of that truth, that we would not only receive it, that's the main goal, but that we would, as followers of Christ, share the truth of the gospel of Jesus. So here's our question tonight. If you have believed in Jesus, if you are saved in God's grace by faith in our Savior Jesus, what are you doing now? If you are saved, if you know how loved you are, if you know how great our salvation is, what are you doing now? Because the truth is tonight, God has great things for you to do. Now listen, this isn't a message to beat you up tonight. This is to tell you the truth. God has great things for you to do. Whoever you are tonight, whatever your stage of life is tonight, God has something great for you to do. And you might say, well, that may be somebody else. It's not me, or I may have passed that, or I may be too old, or I may be too young. Listen, if you're alive and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you've been saved, God has something great for you to do. Tonight our message is entitled, Greater Works. Greater Works. Tonight we're in John chapter 14, moving along, verses 7 through 14. John chapter 14, tonight verses 7 through 14. Greater works. Works. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word, John chapter 14, beginning in the seventh verse. Jesus is speaking. He says this, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on you know him and have seen him. 
Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come again tonight. We praise you tonight. On this Friday night, we worship you. We exalt you. We're thankful tonight, so thankful for our Savior, Jesus. We're so thankful for your grace shown to us through our Savior. We're so thankful tonight for the forgiveness of sin that we have in Christ. Lord, I pray that tonight, this night, it wouldn't be just a normal night. It wouldn't be just a night to pass through. It wouldn't be just an event that we would check off and say, well, we went by there, we, we listened in. But I pray, Lord, tonight that you would speak. And I pray that we would hear. We would hear with our, with our minds, with our hearts. And I pray there would be an impact tonight. I pray you'd be glorified, Lord. I pray that you'd be known. I pray that your people would be instructed tonight. I pray that the lost would draw near to you and receive you in faith and be saved tonight. Lord, we do know that this is an opportunity you've given us. And so we praise you for it. We praise you in it. We praise you through it. We lay it at your feet, ask that you move, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Our context now, we are at the Last Supper. Jesus and his disciples have gathered for the last true Passover meal, and that's what it is. At this meal, during the course of the meal, it has been revealed that Judas will betray Jesus. He has left the supper and he's gone out into the night. The Bible tells us that. At this time, it is only a matter of hours before Jesus' arrest and his trial and ultimately his crucifixion. And so on this somber occasion and in these fleeting moments, Jesus is found talking to his disciples. These are the last words recorded before the event that will secure our salvation. These moments as they click quickly by are the last moments that Jesus spends teaching his disciples. As I have now said several times, I believe each word is profound. I know that each subject is deliberate, and I believe we would do very well to move carefully through each word during this discourse. And so at this time, we would do well to listen and be very careful as we pass by each word. Tonight in our study, we're going to look at three things. We're going to see three things tonight in these verses that we should break down, that we're going to break down, that we should carefully observe. 
These three things tonight, they are the person of God, the potential for believers, and the promise of prayer. Three things, they're not unrelated, but three things, the person of God, the potential for believers, and the promise of prayer. Now let's go to our verses tonight. First we see the person of God, the person of God, beginning back in verse 7. Jesus says, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Now, in verse 6, the, the preceding verse, Jesus is responding to a question that Thomas has asked. And so the sixth verse, let me read that sixth verse. It says this, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. This sixth verse is offered to Thomas. It is a response to Thomas. Well, understand now in the seventh verse, he begins to address all of the disciples that are there this particular night. Now, we know that because the verbs in this verse, the seventh verse, are all plural. Uh, where, it, where it says here in this verse, you, uh, in the Greek, it actually translates, a better translation is y'all. So evidently it's Texas Greek in the seventh verse. But it says this, Jesus says, if you, if y'all had known me, you, y'all, would have known my father also. From now on, you, y'all, plural, know him and have seen him. And so understand the truth of the statement, again, in this seventh verse, is that Jesus is divine, that Jesus is God, that Jesus is equal with the Father. Very simply, Jesus says here that knowing Jesus is knowing the Father. If you want to know the Father, you know Jesus. And if you know Jesus, then you know the Father. And so understand, in the seventh verse, the implied question is, do you know Jesus? Do you really, truly know Jesus? And in the seventh verse, the implied call is, know Jesus. That's the call, know Jesus. See this tonight. Start to finish, and, and all the way from our start, all the way to our, our verses tonight, Start to finish, understand tonight, the gospel is about Jesus. The gospel is about Jesus. It is centered on Jesus. It is focused on Jesus. Jesus is the center of the gospel. It is Jesus as God. It is Jesus as fully man. It is Jesus as creator. Jesus as the lamb. Jesus as the redeemer. Jesus as our savior. Jesus explained as the Messiah. It is all about Jesus. But not just any version of Jesus. It has to be the truth of Jesus. And so the question is, do you really know Jesus? And the call is, know Jesus. So know Jesus. All right, let's go to the eighth verse. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Now that's a strange sounding verse. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Philip evidently is very practical. 
And he says, we have heard all this. It has been explained to us. But he basically says, stop telling us this and show us. Philip says, there's a way to settle it. We have all these ideas. There's a way to settle it. So he says to Jesus, settle it. Show us the Father. Now that sounds very audacious. I'm sure that it is. Show us the Father. Then we'll know. We won't have to talk any longer. Show us the Father. That sounds audacious. Yet isn't that always the cry of man? Hasn't that always been the cry of man? Show us God. God, show us yourself. We'll believe if you'll just show us yourself. If we can see you, if you would tear open the heavens and come down, then we would believe. If you'd reveal yourself, if you'd rattle the mountains, then we would believe. God, let us see you, and then we will believe. He says, settle it. Philip says, settle it, and it'll be enough for us. Would it? Verse 9. Jesus said to him, have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Verse 9, Jesus is about to leave. He's about to ascend to heaven. And you would think they'd have this ironed out. They'd have this hammered down. And you can almost hear the tension. You can almost hear Jesus, good grief. Y'all, good grief, Philip. Have you not heard? Have you not seen? Do you not know me by now? Good grief. Verse 10. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his work. Now I want you to understand this was a hard thing. This was a hard truth. Now, I believe and I know it's a lot harder than we can imagine today. We read this and we say, well, we get this. It, it was a lot harder than we can imagine. For Jesus to say that he is God and that he and the Father are one was a staggering statement. And, and their, their understanding wouldn't let them grab that. Their understanding was, was counter to that. For Jesus to say, I am God, and I and the Father are one, was a mind-blowing statement. Really, it was too much of a statement. It, it's like when you think you know something. You ever think you know something, calculus or something? You think you understand it, and you still can't understand it. And so they, they've been listening, and they've been moving along. And you know what? I think I understand it, but we still don't understand it. It's too big of a statement, too staggering of a statement. He is God. I get it. I've seen the miracles. I still can't understand it. It was too hard. Now, this is what the Jews struggled with. And I'll just tell you, it's what people still struggle with today. The truth of Jesus. Who is Jesus? Really, is it possible that he is who he says that he is? See this. I want to go back to verse 6 again. Back to verse 6. Jesus said to Thomas, I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the Father but through me. See this tonight. The truth of Jesus is 
and we've been building this all along, the truth of Jesus is he can give life because he is the creator of life. Only the creator of life can give life. Well, the truth of Jesus is he can give life because he's the creator of life. The truth of Jesus is he is the way to God. He can say he is the way to God because he is God. Understand, that's the gospel we believe. That's the truth that we hold on to. Well, they can't get that. You see, they, they were okay if Jesus were a prophet of God. They would have hoped that. Tell us all about God. If he's a prophet of God, that would have been fine. If he were a preacher of the word of God, that'd be okay. Tell us what his word says. They didn't mind if he was a priest, a go-between between God. But he can't be God. They can't understand that. Even the disciples are still wrestling with that, having a hard time. Verse 7 says, Jesus says, from now on, you will know. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, there's two events that make that possible. The first one is the resurrection. They will understand after the resurrection. And the second one is the coming of the Holy Spirit. We're going to see that as the verses continue on. The second reason will be the coming of the Holy Spirit. Now, they will get it. They will understand it, but they do not at this point. Back to verse 11. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Now, if you notice this, verse 11 is the exact statement that he spoke to the unbelieving Jews. Remember when he talked to them? He said, believe me, believe my testimony, believe my words. But if you can't believe my words, then believe the miracles. That's what he said. Have you seen the miracles? If you can't believe me, believe the works, believe the miracles. And so first tonight we see, again, Jesus is making clear the person of God. Listen to me. Tonight, on night 63, in our preparation as disciples, listen to me, we have to be certain, we have to be sure, we have to be settled in the truth of Jesus. Understand that if we're going to take his message out, if we're going to stand in this messed up world, we have to be settled in the truth of Jesus. That is part of our preparation tonight. That's the first thing. The second thing is this. The second thing we see tonight is the potential for believers. Now, this is an awesome verse. This is an awesome thing. The potential for believers. Let's look at verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. Let me read that again. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. Now, verse 12, Jesus starts off and he says again, truly, truly. This is an important statement. We've seen that. It literally means this is the truth. It means, listen, this is the truth. He says, here's the truth. He who believes in me. He who believes in me. Now, this is talking about people that have trusted in Jesus 
for their salvation. It is a saving faith. This is talking about saved people. He who believes in me, friends, I want you to know this. If you're saved, this is including you. Tonight, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're saved by faith, this includes you. And so he says, believers, those that are saved, the works, the things that I do, he will do also. A saved person, the works that Jesus does, he will do also. The work that Jesus was doing on the earth, believers also will do. Now the apostles are going to do miracles. It's not talking about that. Some folks say that. Some folks teach that. I'm going to show you why in just a second. The apostles do miracles. It's not talking about that. It means that believers will take up the work of Jesus. Now, what was his work? Luke 19.10 tells us he came to seek and to save that which is lost. And so believers, those that are saved, will take up the work of Jesus. And then it says this statement, and greater works than these he will do. Can you imagine that? Jesus says, he who believes in me will take up my work and greater works than these he will do. Now, this is how I know it's not talking about signs and wonders. Who can do, listen, answer the question, who can do greater miracles than Jesus? Who is doing greater miracles than Jesus? This is how I know it's not talking about signs and wonders. Do you know anybody that's ever turned water into wine? Do you know anybody that can walk on water? Okay, it's time to walk on water and they can do it. Do you know anybody that's ever brought the dead to life? Listen, guess what's about to happen? Do you know anybody that's dead and has been resurrected in their own power? No, it's not talking about that. It is talking about his earthly ministry of reaching the loss, of proclaiming the gospel. Now think about that for a second. He preached in Palestine. Now we preach all over the world. He reached hundreds, maybe. Peter saw 3,000 saved on one day. Paul saw the gospel go all over the known world. And greater works they will do. That's what it's talking about. It makes sense. Now think about the context of that. He is leaving. He's told them that. Very shortly, these hours, he is leaving. Don't you know they are wondering, how are we going to do this without him? How how are we going to do this without him? This isn't going to work without him. How are we going to do this without him? And Jesus tells them, greater things will you do. It's going to be fine. It's going to work without me. Greater things you will do. Now, the end of the verse says, because I go to the Father. Later, we're going to see a big section of this. Later, we're going to see... When he goes to the Father, he promises to send the Holy Spirit. Well, that's what this is talking about. That is why believers will do greater things because of the indwelling, the empowering of the Holy Spirit of God. And so see this tonight. Jesus' disciples are an extension of him and a continuation of his mission. I want you to hear those words again. Listen very carefully. The biblical truth is this. Jesus says this. Jesus' disciples, 
those that are saved, Jesus' disciples are an extension of him and a continuation of his mission. Be sure to not hear me. That is your potential. That is our potential. You have the potential to be an extension of Jesus, to be a continuation of his mission on earth. Isn't that what you'd like to do? Isn't that what you'd like to be known for? You're an extension of Jesus, a continuation of his mission. So the second thing we see is the potential of the believer. And the third thing we see is this, the last thing tonight, the promise of prayer. The promise of prayer. Now, go back and remember, think about the context. They are worried. He is leaving. How will we do this? We're not him. We're not like him. This is never going to work. What are we going to do? How will we ever do this? Oh, listen to what Jesus says, verse 13. How are you going to do it? Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now, I want to look at that. Whatever you ask in my name, whatever you ask in my name, what is the limitation of that? I don't see one. I don't, I don't see one. Whatever. Let me be very clear tonight. That still goes today. Jesus says, this I will do. Whatever you ask, Jesus says, he will do it. Whatever you ask in his name. What does that even mean? Is that a riddle for us? Is that, is that some sort of trick he's trying to play on us? Is Jesus lying? No, listen. That is the reality. Why? so that my Father may be glorified in the Son. Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that Jesus will be known, so that Jesus will be glorified, and then the Father glorified through the Son. Now that sounds pretty far-fetched, so maybe Jesus better say it again. Look at verse 14. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. I, I looked at this verse for, for about an hour this morning. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus says, if you ask me, ask Jesus anything, what is the limitation? I don't see one. In my name, I will do it. Jesus says, I will do it. I will do it. And so the key is in my name. Now I want you to hear me out tonight. That's not a cop-out. That's the key to it. That's not a cop-out. Listen to me. That's, that's the key. Stay with me. It is important for us to understand today the day we're living in, the mission that we have before us, the potential to reach lost people. This is important for his work today. We need to understand this today. Listen to me. Praying in Jesus' name is not a magic word. It is not a word that brings a response. It's not just saying the name. 
Now, there's some folks that say it's just saying the name like it's a magic word, and you say the name, and there's a, there has to be a response. And so those folks would say, you can say any prayer, you can craft up any prayer, and you can add the name of Jesus to it, and it binds him, and he has to answer. Listen to me, it's way more than that. It's actually way better than that. You see, to pray in Jesus' name, you have to know the person of the name. You have to know the person of the name. And I'll tell you, that's why I believe this follows 13 and a half chapters on the truth of Jesus, on the facts of Jesus, on the call to know Jesus. I believe that that's why it's after those chapters. You have to know Jesus. And then when you pray in his name, it means three things. It means first, knowing Jesus, praying in his name, that you're praying for his power that you're praying for his power. Now, we're a pretty arrogant set of folks. We think we have all the answers. Well, this means that you're understanding you're not doing it. He is. You're not providing it. He is. It is you turning to him, submitting to him, calling on him. This means you know he is the answer. You're not the answer. He is your hope. He is your answer. So it's praying for his power. Second thing is this. It's a big deal. It is praying in his purpose. Praying in the name of Jesus is praying in his purpose. What is Jesus' will? What does Jesus want done? What is Jesus doing? Listen, when we know Jesus, we will grow in the knowledge of his will. That's the fact. These, these days, as we study Jesus, we grow in the knowledge of his will. And listen, we'll start to want his will. When you know that he's wise, when you know that he's good, when you know that he's kind, when you know he has the best for you, when you know Jesus, you'll be consumed with wanting his will. You will burn for the will of Jesus to be carried out. And so when we pray, it's not our desires. It's not our nonsense we're praying. It's not our ideas. We're praying in his purpose. That brings us to the third thing. When you pray in Jesus' name, you pray for his glory. You pray for his glory. It means you're praying for his fame. You're praying for his name to stand out. You're praying for his word to go out. You're praying for him to be exalted. You're praying that the answer to your prayer doesn't always please you. It's not about you, but it's to point to and it's to lift up and it's to glorify Jesus. That's what it is. Praying for his glory. How do we know that? Let me ask you the question. Go look. How did Jesus pray? Not my will be done, but thine. How did Jesus pray? He prayed for the work of God. He prayed for the will of God. And he prayed for the glory of God. Listen to me tonight. When we pray like that, he will hear and he will answer. He says, anything you need, he will answer. That is the promise of prayer. I'm going to end like this tonight. God is preparing us. God is preparing us. 
First to believe, and that's the call. He, he desires that none should perish. He is preparing us to believe in the planting of seeds and the preaching of the gospel of the, of the word of Christ. He is preparing us to believe, but then he's also preparing us to lead others to believe. That's the point I believe to this message. That's what I think he's doing with these disciples shortly before the cross. He is preparing people to believe, but he's pre- preparing his believers to lead others to believe. Listen to me tonight. God has something great for you. God has something great for you. I want to I ask you two questions tonight. I want you to think about these questions. And they're not, they're not questions of condemnation. I hope they're questions of inspiration. But I want you to think about the truth that we've heard, and I want you to think about these questions tonight. So... What are you attempting for the cause of Christ? But I'm just a student. Well, I'm retired. Well, my line of work is something else. So what are you attempting for the cause of Christ? Second part of that question is this. And does what you're attempting require the power of God? I'm going to tell you what, I think we in the church have been lulled to sleep. And I think we've been made to believe, you know, if you've trusted Christ, that's, that's fine. Let's just do that and check that off. And we'll just do the things we want to do. And church will be about the things that we want to have. And we've lost the idea that we're supposed to be doing big things for Jesus Christ. Does what you're attempting require the power of God? Is it God-sized? Is the attempt God-sized? Is it so big that if God is not in it, you will crash and wreck? I want to tell you that the potential is this. We can do big things. Listen to me. Let's do big things. Let's do big things. Sixty-three days in. Sixty-three sermons. God let it. God let it. I know it. You'll never convince me otherwise. But let me tell you this. It's harder than I ever dreamed. Changes everything. Every day it's hard. Every day it is hard. And I'll just tell you honestly, this is for some 30-year-old thin person, maybe a runner to try to do. But my hope tonight is that the result would be staggering. That's my hope. But I want to tell you tonight, here's, here's the truth. As we start to click off days, and as we get closer to the end, listen to me. It's not big enough. It's not big enough. And I'm not talking about 200 days. I'm not talking about that. But I want to, I want to say, well, here's what I'm talking about. God is worthy of everything. He's worthy of my everything. He's worthy of your everything. He's worthy of our church's everything. He is worthy of everything. And I'll just tell you, as high as we can lift the name of Jesus, it is not high enough as far as we can take the gospel of Jesus. It's not far enough as loud as we can proclaim there's hope in Jesus. It is not loud enough. Listen, it's never enough. He is worthy of it all. He's worthy of it all. We can do big things. Let's do big things. Let's do big things. He is worthy. Let's pray. Green Father, we come. We're thankful today for you.
We're thankful for your word. We're thankful for your truth. We're thankful for your good news. We're thankful for your gospel. We're thankful that you love us as sinners. That while we were yet sinners, you came and and took our penalty, paid our price. We're thankful tonight. We praise you on a Friday night. We worship you. Lord, I pray for two things. I pray for anybody that doesn't have hope tonight to find hope in a risen Savior, in Jesus. And then I pray for those that, that have trusted you that we would burn not to just end our days, not to just pay bills, not to just move along, but to do great things for the name of our Savior, Jesus. Lord, help us know what that means. Help us know what that looks like. Empower us for that. Use us for that. Be glorified in that. Lord, I'm thankful again for your word. I know you've spoken to us. I pray in this time of invitation that you continue to speak, that you lead. I pray the response tonight in our hearts is, It's for your glory. Lord, we give it to you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close our service now with a time of response, a time to respond to the good news of the preached word of God. First thing I want to tell you is this. There's good news tonight. There is good news tonight. There's the forgiveness of our sin in Jesus tonight. The Bible says all of us have sinned, all of us. The Bible says in that sin we've earned a punishment and death. The Bible says God so loves us, his own words, He so loves us, he sends his only begotten son, his one and only son. He comes, he lives a life of no sin that he can offer himself in my place and in your place. That's what he does. He goes to the cross of Calvary, he pays for it there. He settles it there in his own blood and his own death. They take him off the grave, off the cross, they put him in a grave. He's dead, the price is paid in him. And three days later, the good news is he steps out, he stands as the risen King, the lamb that is alive, and in him there's hope. In him there's salvation. The Bible says if you'll profess with your mouth what you believe in your heart, you shall be saved. If you've never trusted Jesus, trust him tonight. Wherever you are, trust him tonight. He will save you. Second response is this. If you've trusted Christ, I pray a fire burns inside of us to tell our lost friends, our lost family members, people down the street, our co-workers, somebody we may not even know about the truth that the world is missing, the, the, the dark, sorry world is missing the light of Jesus Christ. May we be those people. May we be those ambassadors. If you're here tonight and you're trusting Jesus for the first time, I want to encourage you, you come. Let's tell the church, I'll pray with you. If you need more information, you come, we'll settle that as well. If you're here tonight and you've trusted Christ but never followed in believer's baptism, You come as well. We'll set a date. It'll be a great day of celebration, testifying to our Savior, Jesus. Maybe you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it. You believe God has led you here. You come as well. Together we'll serve for his name, for his glory. Maybe you want to come on this Friday night and pray at an altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me. I'm going to ask that no one would stir about or head for an exit. Pray for those who are making decisions. If God has spoken to you, as we stand and sing, you step out. You come on, I'll meet you here. You come on, I'll meet you here.